testing for brain surgery is right around the corner, along with the long-term sleep study that will have him stuck in the hospital with wires stuck to his head. And now, Seizure Salad with your host and electrostatic meat sack, Michael B-Side. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's like a house arrest. But now everybody's under house arrest, so... See, yeah, it's like we all caught a felony. We all got a felony. We're out on probation. That's what we're at right now. (laughs) I don't feel so alone in my loneliness anymore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, dude, I, it may be months. I'll deal with that. You know, for me, it's like months, whatever. It's been a fucking year. Who cares? Uh, actually, no, I'll be really frustrated, pissed off if that's the case, because again, selfish reasons, I want to yeah. get in there. I want to get my head fixed. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll back up cause there could very well be people who need it more than me here coming up soon. So, and, and that's exactly it. And that's where it's like, you know, that's where I feel like a dick for being with my selfish thoughts of everything that I'm dealing with, everything you're dealing with, but it's like, this is a real thing. You know, people are dying and it's, and it's scary because there is not necessarily a vaccine for it or a cure for it really. And so, you know, it's like, there's a very real aspect to this. And I think that's, I think that's the other part where like, I get kind of mad at myself with is like, you know, it's like, I shouldn't be this upset for selfish reasons. You know, I, you know, and I'm trying to be more conscious of the fact like, no, this is really, it really is about people other than me. You know, and that's really what it is. It's about people other than me. And it's about everybody at this point. And so it's like, my shit has to take a back seat. It breaks my heart. It upsets me. I'm furious. I am every other adjective I can probably think of. But I, I, and maybe I'm just mad at myself. I feel, I shouldn't feel like that. I shouldn't be mad. I shouldn't, but I am. I should, but because like, it's a real concern. There's, you know, it's it's a very serious thing at this point. It's like, it's not. You know, it's, 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 you know, people don't know what we're going to do. It's like, it's, it's fucking terrifying. It really is. If you get it, you know, it's like, you see all these reports, whether it's fear and overhype or whatever, but it's like, it's a terrifying time. And I think that's why so many people now are being like, oh, well, the flu season is really hard. And I don't, it didn't feel like the flu. It's like, now people are trying to like comfort themselves and like convincing themselves they already had it. I feel like, you know, cause last flu season was pretty rough. I got the flu and I was out of it for like four days. Uh-huh. but it's just like, you know, but it's like, I'm not trying to tell myself that was COVID-19 because I, you know, I don't know if it was, maybe it was, I doubt it. Like this seems like very new. And so it's just, uh, it's a scary time for sure. But at the same end of the day, it's like, I shouldn't be mad over my own selfish shit. I need to realize like, it is about everybody else. It's about, it takes a village, right? So it's about the village right now. Yeah. Take, in, take into account the lessons you learned and the, the efforts you made and the, and, and the advantage you built for yourself through all the efforts as well. And it's like, I've done it before, had to shift gears and say, you know what, ain't working this way. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, I can incorporate my skills over this way or I can do my, you know, there's always ways. There's always ways. Who knows, man? Um, you might be able to help people out and be able to get some kind of food truck going food truck to help people get back on their feet. I've already even thought, I was like, you know, it's like, it's like, man, if I had a food truck right now, I'd be like the ice cream man, just going up and down the streets, you know? And even beyond that, I'd be like, yo, like if I can find some extra toilet paper, like buy this, give you a roll of it or whatever, you know, something stupid like that. But it's like, 
I would love to be in that position where if I had a food truck, I could actually put it to like hopefully some type of use mm-hmm. that at the same time keeps me occupied and stuff like that. And so, and there's been tons of stories that have already come out of people helping other people. And like, that's beautiful. And I love it, but it's just like, you know, it's just, and so that's, it's just one of those things where it's like, man, like, you know, and I think, and like I said, like at the end of this, like the one heart, the one true thing about like crisis is like people are innovative. Like we're, you know, we're going to figure out how to get our shit. And oh, so yeah. I was like, there's going to be so much opportunity once this is over. And I think that's the one thing is like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of excited about too. It's like, even though right now my shit is fucked when this is all over, there's going to be so much opportunity to take advantage. And so it's like, I can either spend this whole time being pissed and mad about everything I've taken from me, which, you know, I feel like I have a right to feel like that. And you do too as well. And so does everybody else. Everybody else has that right to feel pissed and upset that everything I take from me, but it's also like, okay, either be mad at it or find a way to use it to your advantage. Mm-hmm. You know? And so there's going to be a lot, I think a lot of opportunity coming out of this. And so you just got to be able to pinpoint it and jump on it as soon as it comes. And you, now it's like, you can't have any fear about it because like at this point there is no plan B. So you might as well just fucking go for it right now. It's pretty cool what you can do when there's nothing to lose. I I've always said I do my best work when my back is up against the wall. When I have no other option, you do your best work because you have to. Right. So, yep. yeah, that's it right there. You know, it, it's, like you, I, I see so many people like just finding brilliant ways and beautiful ways to help each other out in the community in the Roaring Fork Valley over here in the Front Range. Um, it's badass, and it is going to happen. And like you were saying about new opportunities and stuff, one thing I think could be a really cool opportunity is to bring the supply chain back home a little bit more. And this, to me, one of the big lessons of this is like our supply chain is so spread out that and it's fragile and it's very and it, fragile. It's and I think that's strange. why, and I think, and I think like, I think also, and maybe I'm being a little like pompous in this thinking, but like, I've always felt like being from a small town, I always try to go out of my way to support a family owned business more than I do a corporation. Mm-hmm. And you know, and don't Big corporations, they've earned that right. Starbucks, they have earned to be Starbucks through hard work. At one point, Starbucks was a family business. Yeah. But Starbucks is going to be okay because they've made it. But, you know, you go to places like, you know, the little place, like Misty's and Silt, the little coffee shop, the Deja Brew in Glenwood, you know, these little coffee shops, these family-owned places. And it's like, I think being in a small town, you kind of, you, I make an effort to go to small businesses. You know, I don't want to eat at Chili's. I'd rather go to, you know, slope and hatch or something where I know it impacts and goes directly to people in my community. And I think small town has always kind of had that. Maybe I'm pompous and thinking that, but I think after this, people are going to realize like your local business people, your family businesses are more important to you in times of need than some of these big corporations. And like, there's nothing wrong with a big corporation. If you earn that right to get that big, you've done something very right and you deserve that. But when you're that big of a corporation, you lose sight of the people individually. And that's what makes it a little bit more difficult to kind of compete with and stuff like that. And so it's just like, it's more expensive, but you know what? It, you know, it impacts, the impact is greater. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, and that's my thing. I think out of this, like people will really look to their local businessmen all the time. 
You know, that's what I was talking My politics come down to two things. Save the bees and support your local fucking business. Like, that's literally how you make your community thrive. <laughs> I like that. That's a good platform to, to approach. I like that. Yeah. Save the bees. Support your fucking community. That's literally all it takes. Just do both yeah. those things and you're going to be okay. Like, fun fact. Okay. I've always had bad allergies my whole life. So we're talking about this. Here's why I'm so into bees. If you have bad allergies eat locally produced honey because the bees make it with a pollen from the area you live in. It's a natural antihistamine. Buy some local honey. Honey is amazing on pretty much, you can on pretty much anything. And you also support a local business. So if you're out there and if you're one of the six people that listen to this, go find a fucking local beekeeper and buy some of his goddamn honey. It's really not that hard. It's not that much more expensive. And you'll feel better. Literally, I have a little bit of tea, a little bit of honey every day, and like your allergies will be amazing. Like you yes, won't even yes. notice because it's it's all about where you're at. You can you can fight against it. And that's what I think will happen with coronavirus. People will find ways to fucking home remedy themselves. You're gonna build an immunity. So there's gonna be something. Something's gonna happen. It'll run it, and yeah, something's gonna happen with it. It's gonna run out its bell curve. It's gonna get up, and then it's gonna go down. The whole hope is that it doesn't go so far up that it spikes and overloads the healthcare. Exactly. So. You know, and, it's, and that's the point is you want to mitigate, you want to do the right things and stuff. Yeah. And so and, and like, I think I'm doing my part, you know, I'm, you know, don't know, I'm still going to see some friends, but we're staying at their house. We're not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to take any unnecessary risk if I don't have to, uh, you know, I won't, I, won't I most likely will get it if it is as bad as they say, my job right now is I still install and fix people's internet. I go to people's houses every day. I don't know who they've come in contact with. And yeah. so it's so like, you know, if it is really as bad as I say, chances are I'll probably end up infected, which is like, you know what? Like, but at the same time, like, I don't really worry about that. I'm 25, good health, probably be all right. But mm-hmm. I also don't want to be the reason somebody else gets sick. Yeah, you nailed it right there. That last statement right there. Yeah, I mean, regardless of how healthy you are, you just don't want to be that guy. So. Exactly. You know, it's like you don't want to be the one that, you know, sends, gives it to somebody else that, you know, and like some, some of my friends, they have autoimmune diseases. You know, I have my grandparents, you know, and it's just like, I, so yeah, I'm not, it's going to suck not being able to go see them. But, you know, that's also like, if it keeps them healthy, I'm fine with it, you know? Yeah. And so I'd prefer it that way, actually. hundred you know? percent. Yeah. yeah. And so I oh, actually, I had a weird thought earlier today. Uh, I actually was like, man, I, tomorrow I think I need to go call the animal shelter and see if they need any donations. Cause like we've all been focused on ourselves and like, I'm, I'm, I'm an animal guy. I love animals. I have my cats, you know, and stuff like that. But it's like, like everybody's been so worried about themselves, which is fine. You know, take care of yourself first. But it's like, man, there's like, how are these animal shelters doing? with food like we couldn't we i i I could barely i was able to find like barely any food for my cats because i was running out you know and so it's just like it's like man what about these animal shelters what are they doing right now but everything has been impacted by this and that's like the scariest part is no nothing is safe right now yeah nothing because other problems going to come from this but you know whatever but (laughs) (laughs) one at a time (laughs) one at a time you're right. It's, this is this is just the beginning of, of a whole domino effect of stuff that's going to be happening. Um, hey, 
cool thing is, is I think that, that by and large, we're pretty fucking resilient and, and I think that, uh, pretty innovative. I think we can, I think we're going to be able to pull through this. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the same thing, same way people were feeling when the Spanish influenza came out in 1918 and wiped out like 40 million people in the country. Yeah. So I, uh, this, this could be very similar. It may not be that deadly. It may go away sooner because I mean, they, they say this, they say that, but it's like, I don't hear a whole lot of definitive statements. So who knows? It could be tomorrow. It could be a few months from now. So I was actually, I actually, I asked my dad this earlier and I'd like to kind of hear, I don't know your thoughts, but it's like, besides the whole virus side of this stuff, I was like, as far as like economically, what feels scarier to you right now than this compared to 2008? Cause like, you know, like, uh, as far as like the economic side of things, you know I mean? Cause like, you know, I, I asked my dad earlier, I was like, so what's the difference between these two economically? I was like, cause you know, I was like, cause I was like, nobody has an answer for me as far as like coronavirus stuff with the housing market. Like, I don't know if there really was an answer when it first happened, but I do know the impact economically was huge. My dad, my family suffered from it. You know, I know a mm-hmm. bunch of my friends' families, we all kind of like went through it. And at the time I was too young to fully understand it, but looking yeah. back on it, you know, and now I've you know, now that I'm older, I've been able to learn about it and see what happened. And so, so I was going to see like, what, which one do you, I don't, okay. I'm not going to try to say it. which one was scarier. Is there a difference between how they felt? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the 2008 crisis, uh, was actually, um, man-made market driven, uh, people shortcutting, um, and, and kind of bypassing certain things that had been in place for certain reasons since the crash. It, it all had, see, okay, the 2008 crash had a traceable origin to it. Uh, it there were laws of, of economics that came into play um, that were inevitably going to, it, it was inevitable it was going to happen if you had all the information at the time that you did, which nobody did, of course, except for maybe the guys who caused it. Um, but anyway, it was traceable. It was markable. Uh, there were fingerprints. There were footprints. There was a, there was a path. There was an if and then. There was a, a, there was a progression. And once the initial shit storm got through that and a little bit of artificial correction, uh, the natural market took over itself again. Right. Um, this one right now, I'm not even going to address whether or not any country or company or whatever, dude, I'm not going to, not going to play into those conspiracy theory guys. That's a different form. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, you know what, this pandemic, they've been warning about pandemics for a long, long time. Um, certain people knew that like, Hey, this is going to be the next shit storm and nobody on this planet is prepared for it. Um, and of course in hindsight, I don't remember it, you know, it's like, Oh yeah. Dire warning right on. And then I went on with my life, of course. <laughs> but, uh, it, it's, it's the truth. The, the interesting thing here, uh, what we got going on is we're in an incredibly divisive country, more so probably than we were back in 2008 even. Um, 
how do I put this? This is a really long explanation. I apologize. Whereas 2008, the housing market and the banking market crash and everything like that, you could see it, predict it, trace it um, through the laws of economics, supply and demand, and, and how the economy is supposed to work. You could see it. Uh, and it made sense that way, regardless of whether it was wrong, egregious or whatever, you could see it, you, you, you could taste it. Okay, that makes sense to me. Uh, this is something that completely defies, goes against, uh, I can't say goes against, this situation we're in right now is something that our economy is not prepared for. Uh, this exposes a fragility in world economies and world markets that the crisis in 2008 did not. This doesn't have a clear-cut path of who, what, where, and how we're going to get out of this. That's how I see it. Sure, I guess you could be terrified about it. Uh, it'd be being nervous. Be diligent. Just say that. Be diligent. Watch out for your your neighbors and loved ones, and and don't let any one man gain too much authority in these times of trouble. Because times of trouble, people are more than willing to give away their um, liberties and freedoms uh, in exchange for a sense of security. So that's, that's what I worry about right now more than anything else. Um, I'll be dead honest. And, and it's just because it's, it's always that way. History has always shown us the times of crisis or when, when um, people of Ill, Ill means will try and get their way into power or at least try and exert what power they may have. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely, mm-hmm. right? One hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, okay, that's a little bit of a tangent. Um, no, but I mean, it's a valid point. You know, I mean, like, you know, that's my biggest fear is, you know, like I said earlier, it's like, you know, it's like people have given up a lot of their basic freedoms for this health crisis, and I get that. I think there's some concessions that we need to be willing to make, but at a certain point, I also think we need to draw a line in the sand and be like, no. Caesar Salad Fuster Clunk Epilepticus is produced and hosted by Michael Ball. Follow our podcast, like our Facebook page, whatever floats your boat, just keep listening. Until then, remember that it's all in your head. <laughs>